Yeah. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives, too. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Brian Weber. Final hour of the program. Great to have you with us on a jam-packed Wednesday. Still plenty of time for you to get involved at 1-844-204-RICH. Twitter is lighting up. You can hit me up on the old tweet deck. That is B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. Take us wherever you go by downloading the Odyssey app. Program available for you as you are out and about wrapping up the new year and powering our way into 2022 with loads of momentum. NFL has dominated the conversation, understandably, with all of the different scenarios and key storylines to chop up. We'll keep that going coming up. In 20 minutes, we'll bring in our third and final guest, taking you around the league with Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones has been covering the league for a long time. I used to interview him when I worked at NFL Network, launching and co-hosting the morning show. If you enjoy Good Morning Football, a group of us, now we were paid, it was not an internship though, used to come to work at midnight local time here in Southern California, go on the air at 3 a.m. and do four hours of live TV five days a week. We look forward to getting a lifeline from Insightful guests like Mike Jones, who does a great job of covering the NFL for USA Today. Coming up in 40 minutes, I'll connect what's going on in the college game, not just football, college basketball having a COVID crisis, to business decisions made by the NFL. It is fascinating to see differing approaches, and there is also the distinction that we're talking about theoretically amateur sports, No, there's no money in college sports. Really? But if we don't have healthy players, we don't have bowl games. And we found that out again last night. No holiday bowl. UCLA didn't have enough players to take the field. NC State understandably miffed. And I'll wait until we get into this to wrap up the program. I don't understand, though, the subtext of what NC State's complaining about. Do you think there was some vast conspiracy by UCLA to lure the Wolfpack across the nation and then cancel on them prior to playing the game? I I don't get it. I I don't see any of the subtext, but we'll talk about that coming up. But as we start this final hour of the program, focusing on the NFL, if you're looking at college, no players means no games. And we've seen now too many of these bowl games already canceled. Hopefully, We're keeping the teams that matter, especially for casual fans, with the national semifinals coming up on Friday in bubble wrap. we got to keep Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Georgia safe to play these games. But if college football can't operate without the players, pointed out once more with these cancellations, why are the players not being compensated? Why are they not participating in the revenue on any level? If we now have... The ability to monetize things long overdue through name, image, and likeness. Why couldn't a leading college football player say, I'm not playing this ball game until you scratch me a check? What would be ethically or morally wrong with that? Nothing legally. We'll talk about it coming up. But I want to start the last hour 
echoing some of the sentiments that we had earlier in the program so far. Good conversations, talking NBA in the first hour of the show with Michael Lee from the Washington Post. And we reflected on the life and times of John Madden. We lost him yesterday at the age of 85. Great interaction with Bob Glauber, who's been covering the NFL for decades for New York Newsday. Beyond what comes to mind when I say the name John Madden, depending on how old you are, whether it is Super Bowl winning head coach, whether it is transformational broadcaster or the video game guy, Madden has touched our lives in so many different ways, bigger than football in a lot of different respects. But to borrow from Bob Glauber, what I think will last in the years to come, when we think about John Madden, is he brought a smile to our faces. John Madden was universally liked and admired, dare I say loved, because you turn on the TV and here was a fun, bombastic guy having a good time, teaching you the game in a way that wasn't too bogged down with X's and O's, and in a world in which we cannot agree on anything, including should you be vaccinated, John Madden was universally appreciated. So here we are with the passing of a transformational figure, and now we're in the midst of these COVID issues that just won't go away, and this has far more to do with real-life significance than will the NBA have enough healthy players so the Grizzlies can take the floor? Or I can't miss that Pacer game coming up on Thursday. We're still in the midst of a global pandemic, likes we haven't seen since 1917-1918 with the Spanish flu. But because sports is so profound for so many of us, and it's easy to say it's just entertainment. And look, if I'm going to be up front, it's been the single most important thing of not only my adult life, because it's my profession, but going back to why I wanted to be in this business. You want to be around it. You want to have a connection to it. I knew by the age of nine I had no athletic talent or apparently no discernible talent whatsoever, if you're a listener to anything I do. But this was important to me for reasons that are hard to articulate. So understanding that passion, that connection, here's where it's different than pure entertainment. Let's just say movies. Most of us weren't actors unless you were thrown into the school play, Wizard of Oz in seventh or eighth grade. But we all played some kind of sports and we all still try our best to play golf or tennis or a little pickup hoops. So there's that connection because of what we have done in the past and what we continue to try to do that makes us appreciate what these people that do it at the highest level are able to achieve. So when Aaron Rodgers weighs in on vaccination, and I'm choosing my words carefully here because I'm not going to say a vaccination debate. There is no debate. Get vaccinated. You got vaccinated for polio and everything else. But here we are in 2021 and we can't agree on even common facts anymore. Or, for example, LeBron James last night having to defend an Internet meme, the old Spider-Man times three pointing at each other, equating COVID to the common cold or the flu. Now, part of you could say, all right, why are you even bringing this up? Or, hey, whoever you are, I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen Wednesday 
installment of the Rich Eisen Show. one 204 rich the number to call. You can tweet at me, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. In no way am I saying to LeBron, shut up and dribble. We know the impact that athletes have had for decades. Think about the social relevance and profound influence of, say, Muhammad Ali. But understanding that LeBron James, as I look at Instagram, has 106 million followers, even if he's just trying to be jovial or looking for a little levity, and and he backtracked a little bit, didn't really want to talk about it last night because he's getting called out rightfully by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If you know history, Lou Alcindor at the time, and since that point moving forward has been active in social justice on a variety of levels. And Kareem saying this is irresponsible considering how many people LeBron James reaches. So the balancing act is allowing people to express themselves. Don't tell me First Amendment. First Amendment is you versus the government. I can't walk around the hallways here shouting at whomever I work with because this is a private workplace. So I'm not trying to stifle anybody. If LeBron James has thoughts, articulate them. But he seemed, with the opportunity after the game last night, if you care about the game, Lakers finally won a game, beating Houston because everyone beats Houston. John Wall still playing professional basketball or just being paid not to do anything. But the Lakers snapped a five-game losing streak. If LeBron James has a strong opinion, express it. He had the opportunity last night, and he moonwalked. But if we think about where we are, for example, in the NFL with the evolving COVID protocol and policies, if you just care about these things as a viewer and you don't want to get into socioeconomic, and we're not getting that deep as a fill-in host, but if you don't want to have things examined from a larger point of view, if you're just watching the games or if you're a sports investor and sports wagering gets bigger and bigger, what were your thoughts yesterday? Let's say you got the early line on the Raiders and the Colts and you're at work or you're faking to be at work, and around 1.30 Eastern you see the alert pop up on your phone. Carson Wentz goes to the reserve COVID list, and the headline includes unvaccinated starting QB. Got to believe that line moved because now we're thinking about could this be Sam Ellinger? We're not playing at Texas anymore, or... Brett Hundley coming off the practice squad to try to run this offense for a game that is hugely important for both teams because if you haven't looked at the standings as of late, Colts right now in great position to lock up a wild card. If the playoffs were to begin today, it'd be a surprise because it's only Wednesday, but the Colts would be in that postseason field. So that was the general takeaway by everybody reporting the story Barring the unforeseen, because you have to throw in the caveat with all these COVID variables and variants, unfortunately. Barring something changing, it looks like no Carson Wentz. As Indy tries to stay red hot, they won 8 of 10. That means more carries for Jonathan Taylor. He can continue to make his MVP case. And potentially great news for the Raiders, who had the good fortune of taking on a Browns team. That was dealing with COVID issues of their own on a game push to Monday. And with no Baker Mayfield, no Case Keenum, down to Nick Mullins, who almost won the game for the Browns. So that was the thought process yesterday around this time.
Couple hours later, we get the announcement from the NFL in conjunction with the union. They've decided to modify the COVID policy. No longer the 10-day quarantine. They're following the CDC. Knock it down to five. Well, if we're doing five days, now we got to find out when Carson Wentz tested positive. Because now potentially he can play. And that changes everything on Sunday. So the league is doing what they can to make sure they can protect their business. But if we're just talking about some of the fairness that we equate with sports, another reason we love sports, in a world filled with ambiguity and nuance and uncertainty, especially now, we love sports because there's a scoreboard. Unless you're playing cricket for three days and it's a tie, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. There's clarity and finality. Well, some of the fundamentals behind that comes down to things like integrity of the game, competitive balance. And the NFL had a lot of gusto in saying early on, these are the protocols. If you don't hit a certain threshold and you can't play, it's going to be a forfeit. If the game can't be played, no game checks. That means no compensation for the players. Well, that was then. This is now. And the NFL has been completely steadfast. And I get it. It's a business, a multi-billion dollar enterprise. They are playing this football game irrespective of who's available. But if you think about, say, the... Denver Broncos last year when they had the COVID outbreak within the quarterback room and had to get down to that debacle of a situation. I felt bad for the Broncos. They're probably saying, well, where was our relief? How come you didn't move our game? Like the Browns were moved. And the Washington football team against Philadelphia. And the Rams against Seattle. So I get it. Depending on what team you're rooting for, You might have the view that the league is just making it up as they go along, and that's the answer. Because take a step back from what we love in sports, and let's not be myopic. That's what we're all doing. We're doing the best we can with the information we have. And if the goal is to put butts in seats, put the game on TV to get those checks from the networks, that'll come either way, but the game has to go on whatever game it is. So whomever the quarterback has to be, if you're the Saints already going through the messy transition and moving on from Drew Brees, and you see Jameis Winston get hurt, and then you see Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon wind up on the COVID list, and it's poor Ian Book getting destroyed on national TV, well, that's a Saints problem. It's not an NFL problem. Give me my money. So don't be surprised as these things continue to be modified. And I get a degree of frustration. It's not fair. But life's not fair. And if you ever have any doubt as to how things are going to play out, just follow the money. And who is better at generating cash than the National Football League? So it's going to be so intriguing to see what happens the rest of the week. It's only Wednesday. But contrast that with all these bowl games being canceled in college football, and you see the difference. We're approaching, quote-unquote, student-athletes differently versus professional sports. Meanwhile, college football coaches are making more than NFL head coaches. So tell me there's not a disconnect there. 
We'll get back to that coming up, and I want to connect the dots once more between the NFL and college football in about 25 minutes or so. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. You can slide in, one 204 rich Conversation is heating up on Twitter. That is B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs straight ahead, even more NFL. Rams have won four straight. They're going to the postseason, but after throwing three more interceptions on Sunday, how much faith should we have in Matthew Stafford, the turnover machine? Looking forward to checking in with Mike Jones, NFL reporter and columnist for USA Today. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich. It's the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Brian Weber back with you. Having a great time in for Rich. It's the Rich Eisen Show. one 204 rich number to call. You can continue to send tweets in my direction. If I don't have a chance to reply right now, I'll get back to you after the show. It's B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. Let's keep the NFL conversation going with one of the best football journalists in the nation, Mike Jones, NFL reporter and columnist for USA Today. Mike, we have not chatted for a while. Happy holidays. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I appreciate you taking the time. And before we go around the league, just want to get your thoughts on the passing of John Madden, so impactful in so many ways. If you think about his legacy, what stands out to you? Well, I mean, I feel like like this generation, he was the guy who gave us our football education. Yeah. He sat there on Sunday afternoons and watched for hours, and he broke down the game and explained why stuff worked, why it didn't, why decisions were made. 
um, I learned a ton of football from John Madden. And then, of course, you know, the, the video game. So he lives on, um, you know, I always kind of, you know, thinks that uh, his voice isn't on there anymore, but his name is still there. So our kids are playing the video game, um, you know, with his name on it. He just was, again, like you said, larger than life. And he did it in a way that was conversational because I learned so much like you listening to Madden and Summerall, but Mike, it never felt like he was coaching me or trying to take me into the two day. It was just a football conversation. No, I mean, you know, you can be very insightful without being too deep and too much, you know, uh, jargon and, and things like that. He just explained um, and all the scribbling on the screen and drawing, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was just uh, great. And we got a sense of what a turducken is all about. Taking you across the NFL with Mike Jones. Check out his great work at USA Today. Mike, let me take you back to Christmas Day, although it reflects the body of work for Baker Mayfield. Although, in fairness, we should talk about all the injuries and the lack of practice time because of the COVID issues, but he just had a very rough game again with the four picks. We know the Browns have already picked up the rookie option for next season, so beyond that, what do you think his future could look like? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, like you said, they've got that fifth-year option picked up. I still would be um, surprised if they don't try to find some other veteran to bring in, uh, maybe similar to what Tennessee did with Ryan Tannehill. They had Marcus Mariota, um, had him under contract. Uh, he started the season. He struggled. They went to Tannehill, and Tannehill wound up taking that job. So they've got to find a veteran, find some insurance there. Um, I know they wanted Baker to be able to go into this year and prove he could be the guy. Um, and it just has not happened. Well, one of the reasons why the Packers could be the top seed in the NFC, talking about the team that the Browns played on Christmas, has been the defense overall. But even though Baker was generous with all those picks, Cleveland still had a real chance to win the football game, in part because the defense was wobbly. Mike, have you seen some slippage from the Green Bay defense over the last month or so? No, I mean, I feel like they've been in a number of games where they are uh, on it, they're dynamic, and then there are other you know, courts, parts of those games where the other team has um, an opportunity. Uh, now, I know they're still getting things shored up. They've had a lot of guys who have been out with injury, uh, still getting guys back in the mix and things like that. And, you know, they're still tweaking uh, Joe Barry, first year as a defensive coordinator there. Um, you know, they're coming down the stretch. This is where you want to get all the kinks worked out and roll into the playoffs. I still feel like they have um, the best shot of anybody in the NFC, though, despite some defensive hookups that we see. Mike Jones of USA Today is our guest here on the Rich Eisen Show. Mike, we know it's all about passing in the modern NFL, and the numbers become inflated, plus now the extra game in the regular season, so the record books could be impacted. Having said all that, should we be talking more about what Cooper Cup is doing with the Rams? These numbers are insane. Yeah, they're pretty impressive, and that's why, you know, I've talked to a number of people who feel like he should be in the conversation. I agree, I agree. You know, um, what he is doing is is pretty remarkable. Um, I think, I can't remember what the streak exactly, but games with 90 yards or more, um, you know, I think it's up to 10 games. Uh, I think it's uh, maybe eight of his games he's recorded 120 yards or more. Um, Really just a reliable go-to guy. Chris, precise route runner, great hands, great toe you know, dragging skills, just anything you could want in a wide receiver. And he has been a big reason why they've continued 
um, to to play well despite you know, remember they lost Robert Woods who was their go-to possession receiver guy to move the chain um, but they really haven't had a drop off in their offense despite losing him I know they added um, Odell Beckham Jr. but Cooper Cup is a big reason for their success let's stay on that team though and go from the good to the uncertain I'm not a believer in Matthew Stafford and I'm not overreacting just to the three interceptions against Minnesota on Sunday I remember what he went through in Detroit the pushback would be it was the Lions, after all, so I'll defer to your expertise. What's your expectation for Stafford when the Rams get to the playoffs? No, I, I'm with you there um, because there are times that he looks great and then there are times when he makes mistakes or throws the ball to the wrong team, and you're kind of looking like, man, like you should be better than this. Uh, but I think this is what Matthew Stafford has been, and like you said, it's always been said, oh, it's the Lions, but no, a lot of it's Matthew Stafford as well. Um, he's a gunslinger. Uh, he needs to, to settle down, play within the system a little bit more, make smarter decisions, um, and he does that in spurts, but it needs to be more consistent if the Rams are going to be able to go on a run here in the postseason. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen, talking football with Mike Jones of USA Today. Mike, very quietly, the Eagles have had a solid season. Eight and seven have a real possibility of locking up a wild card after all of the turmoil last year, Jalen Hurts has been a capable starter. Do you think he could hang on to that job for the next three to five years? Has Philadelphia found a quarterback moving forward? Um, it's looking like it. What they've done, they've done a really good job of understanding, okay, what can we do to ease pressure on him? Let's run the football. And so they're playing to the strength. Um, they've got a dynamic rushing attack. And when that pressure is not on him as much, um, you know, he can make plays. You're able to use the play action. You're in more manageable situations, not long uh, down-and-distance situations. And so um, he, he has an opportunity to continue to grow and to prove he can be this guy. Uh, like you said, they could be making it to the postseason. And if you are the starting quarterback and your team you know, makes it back to the postseason, that really gives you um, a leg up, you would think, for moving forward. Um, we'll see if they make another move in the offseason, but I feel like they could roll with Jalen Hurts and use those uh, resources for other areas on the team. Mike Jones, NFL reporter and columnist for USA Today, is our guest here on the Rich Eisen Show. Mike, let's wrap it up with the situation in Seattle. Very interesting on two fronts, so I'll ask you the dreaded two-part question, but you can handle it. If Russell Wilson was looking to be traded potentially prior to the season – Shouldn't that be even more refined now after a losing year? So is there a real possibility when we see the Seahawks next year, there's no Russell Wilson, and perhaps Pete Carroll says, I don't want to hang around for the rebuild, and retires? Or they could say, Pete Carroll, your team has regressed under you despite what we've given you, and you didn't do a good job. And thanks. And Well, that you know, too, right? They later. could show him the door. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think there is a big possibility. We see a lot of changes in Seattle. Um, if he didn't want to be there then as they were coming off of winning their division, no way that he wants to be there as they are coming off of a losing season here. Um, and they continue to um, really just, you know, don't play to his strengths or, or really turn him loose like he feels like he should. Um, don't, you know, invest in that offensive line quite as well as they should. Uh, now, I know he had input in the offensive coordinator, but there is a lot that they have there that's just not quite right. Um, and look at them here, you know, one of the worst records in the NFC. I think we could, you know, very well see a lot of change there. I'm not saying that uh, for sure that uh, Pete Carroll is going to be fired, but I think that's a question that uh, management really has to ask themselves. Hey, has his message gone stale? 
Um, some of these decisions have not paid off, and now uh, we've got uh, our franchise quarterback who doesn't want to be here anymore. Mike, great information as always. Glad we had a chance to catch up. I appreciate you taking the time. Happy holidays, and thanks for joining us today on the show. Hey, same to you. Thanks for having me. Mike Jones, NFL reporter columnist for USA Today, one of three quality guests. Appreciate everyone being available. If you weren't with us, where were you? I know I'm the fill-in guy. You're wondering, who is this dude? Why is he so annoying? My name is Brian Weber. I'm in for Rich Eisen. You can get more of a sense of my background on Twitter. It's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Yes, that is my NFL Network headshot. And yes, I'm wearing a lot of makeup. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. In the first hour of the show, we talked NBA with Michael Lee of the Washington Post. Last two guests have been solely football-driven. Second hour of the show featured our conversation with Bob Clobber, New York Newsday, Mike Jones from USA Today. A reminder, if you miss any portion of the program, check out the podcast. Want to have a couple footnotes to what Mike was talking about. Let's start with Russell Wilson. I didn't fully buy into the notion that he wanted out this summer because that really came out of nowhere. I think he was looking for buy-in. He wanted to have his voice heard. He wanted some personnel changes. And Seattle got more active in bolstering the offensive line. Now, what did that matter? Because they're having a terrible year. 5-10. and ten. Last time they had a losing season was before they drafted Russ, coming out of the third round from Wisconsin. Remember the TikTok there? They gave Matt Flynn all that money after he had that one good game filling in for Aaron Rodgers in a meaningless game and threw all of those passes for the pack against the Lions. And then Russ shows up. Everything changes because they have a competent game-managing quarterback learning on the job, bolstered by a legendary defense in the Legion of Boom, blow out the Broncos in that Super Bowl, should have another one, but... The worst play call in NFL history occurred, or credit what was going on defensively by the Patriots. Just a marvelous adjustment to come up with the INT. But if you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, you cannot throw an interception. That feels like eons ago. Stuff of the time when dinosaurs roamed the earth. So if Russ wanted out, if you believe that then, shouldn't he really want out now? And you had the report from... Jordan Schultz, NFL insider for a couple different platforms, about a month ago that Russ's destination-approved list of teams that he would accept a trade to down to three teams, according to this report, the Giants making absolutely no sense to me unless Russ and Ciara want to run New York. Unless that is a marketing-driven decision, why in the world would you want to jump into the dumpster fire that is the New York football Giants? Other two teams make more sense. According to that report, the Saints on the list. And Jameis Winston was doing a capable job. He wasn't atrocious, but not extraordinary. Of course, he went down. And then it's been the revolving door. Trevor Simeon was a late-round pick from Northwestern for a reason. And find someone in your life to love you the way that Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. I don't get the fascination. I understand the utility and the variety of things he can do, but you can't convince me he's a legitimate starter in this league. So there's a real possibility the Saints will be in the quarterback market. Also, file this one away. 
as we talk more tomorrow about coaches who should be looking over their shoulder getting closer to Black Monday. There are murmurs out there, rumor and innuendo, Sean Payton might be done with the Saints by his own doing, that he's ready for a different opportunity. He feels like he's maxed out. He's learned what life without Drew Brees is all about. Maybe could be traded like Gruden was years ago from the Raiders to the Bucks. But irrespective if it's Sean Payton or not, Wilson could be interested in New Orleans. And the other team is the Denver Broncos, which has already been linked to Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers presumably can play for every team next year. He's going to just clone himself with Dr. Joe Rogan, and we'll see him across the NFL. Fascinating future in Seattle. I think there's a strong likelihood when we see the Seahawks take the field next year, no Pete Carroll on the sideline, no Russell Wilson under center, meaning with Seattle hosting Detroit on Sunday, last home game of the year for the Seahawks, potentially the last time Russ wears a Seahawk uniform in Seattle. I have thoughts on the Rams. I'll wait till tomorrow. Matthew Stafford gets a pass. Nothing's going to change. You are what you consistently do. For Matthew Stafford, that is throw interceptions. He is a turnover machine. He almost gave away that game at Minnesota. I know he's an upgrade from Jared Goff, but I have eyes and I have a memory, and don't tell me he didn't have any help in Detroit. Calvin Johnson was the best receiver of his generation, so we'll get to Stafford and the Rams tomorrow. But we still have more business to attend to before we sign off. What's been a real entertaining, in my opinion, Wednesday edition of the program. Straight ahead, we wrap it up, connecting college football to the pros as Bowl Week continues. More COVID issues leading to cancellations, reminding us, without players, there are no college games. So if college coaches can shake down their schools for more money, why can't the players? We'll tackle that up next. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com eisen. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Final segment, Brian Weber back with you in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. We are winding down today. That means we're already warming up for tomorrow. Back with you tomorrow and Friday, wrapping up the week and the year. Rich and the fellas will be back after their much-deserved vacation on Monday. Looking forward to my guy, Del Tufo. I work with Del Tufo at NFL Network. He is fascinating. Mike Del Tufo is a unique dude, and what you see on the simulcast and here on the program is the genuine article. There's very few people in the business like Del Tufo on the wheels of steel. So, as college football remains optimistic that we're going to get the games that truly matter in, and that starts Friday, depending on your allegiance, if you want to watch these meaningless games, go right ahead. I used to, as a veteran of working throughout the holidays and trying to be a utility person and trying to maximize opportunities, I used to have a rant about, get a life, why are you watching these crappy matchups with teams you would never care about if they were playing on a Saturday in the fall? Knowing full well, I have a Sun Bowl watch. I called the Sun Bowl in 1996. Yes, I'm that old as the mighty Stanford Cardinal beat Nick Saban in Michigan State and El Paso Dina, Texas on New Year's Eve. I've been a part of these events as a broadcaster, as a student working in the media relations department. I am fully invested in the college sports industrial complex. So since I was ripping Antonio Brown for being a hypocrite earlier in the program, I want to be able to achieve that balance where I'm being honest but not too sanctimonious. So i got to tread lightly here. And that's why I have evolved when it comes to bowl season. Yes, watch whatever you want to watch. I'm just a guy on the radio or on the Odyssey app, but I'm paid to have an opinion. In my opinion, most of these games are terrible in a normal year. Still, it's football, and we'll watch. I'm convinced the NFL could put up the shield, the logo, and we would watch Hoping, all right, the logo's up, but maybe in a minute we're going to see football. We're addicted to it, and our lives are better to have these options. But you might have missed this nugget along the way because of all the cancellations. When bowl season started, there were 42 games scheduled. New record, meaning every team that qualified for the postseason, six wins or more, every single team had a landing spot. So you can't ask me to get revved up if it's a matchup of six and six teams and one is coming from the Southland Conference, and I don't care. I got nothing invested. If you're an alumnus, great. If you have a relative playing, I understand. If you're a gambler, okay. A lot of people love bowl season because you think you know more than the Sharpies. 
But the issue has become, because we're talking about college students, different liability standards, and young people, not professional, grown adults in the NFL. When we get to the bowl games, you have different protocols and schools and conferences and the bowl committees all getting involved. So I guess we should not be surprised at all as to what happened again yesterday with UCLA having to pull out of the Holiday Bowl. It had a little bit more of an impact because that game was nationally televised. It was supposed to be from San Diego. If you love bowl history the way I do, you know, years ago, the San Diego investment in the Holiday Bowl was a great infomercial. People freezing their took us off in Iowa would say, I got to get to America's finest city. Plus, just as a sports fan, the Holiday Bowl had all of those fantastic finishes. Let me close my eyes and conjure up the image of Steve Young or Robbie Bosco and BYU. They went in 42-38. The Holiday Bowl has always been, over the body of work, entertaining football. Well, no Holiday Bowl yesterday because UCLA had a pullout because of the COVID issues. And now, of course, because we're all sleuths. I think this comes down to, with Instagram and everything else, we can track people. We can peer into their lives. And I also think because of the true crime phenomena, not just TV with all of those Well, she went to get a haircut, never came home, Dateline NBC's, all of the podcasts, and that's a huge part of the podcasting market. True crime is making big money. If I was smarter, I'd walk down the hall and go narrate one of those, although I'm having a good time. Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen, cutting my own throat before the end of my first fill-in shift. We all now want to be in everyone's business. So, of course, once UCLA tapped out, You had the predictable internet people pulling up every image of the Bruins having a good time with whatever Shamu has been replaced by at SeaWorld. Or here's another picture, UCLA honoring our brave service men and women. They're on a ship in San Diego with all the military affiliations. Well, just because the Bruins were healthy enough a a couple days ago to do these things does not mean that was the cause of their inability to play yesterday. Correlation. Here's a big word to wrap things up. Correlation is not causation. Just because something happens prior to another event doesn't mean it caused it. So everyone just needs to relax. Secondly, if you want to buy into this somehow, or something more nefarious was at play, As apparently NC State is suggesting, I got the quote from, understandably, their upset head coach Dave Doran saying, quote, felt lied to, to be honest, asked about his reaction to the cancellation. We felt like UCLA probably knew something was going on, didn't tell anybody from our side. Okay, let's just accept that at face value. What would be the Bruins' motivation? They finally watched the game tape of NC State, and Chip Kelly said, I can't play those guys. All right, let's come up with the cover story. Uh, All right, COVID, let's go. Not everything is a conspiracy. Sometimes what's self-evident is true. And unfortunately, 
This pandemic is not done. Now, I have a great deal of empathy for everyone impacted, and we're only talking about a football game here, a meaningless exhibition, but what about people who spent money and took time off to travel from, say, Raleigh-Durham to San Diego, and they're getting stiffed? I got a lot of empathy for you, and I understand your emotions. You're entitled to feel just that angry. I get it. But unfortunately, things happen in life, and this is just one more reminder that stuff progresses in ways we don't envision. But the issue for college football has been because of, I think in part, some of these teams have players go home for the holidays, whatever theory you want to come up with, or there's just a lot of COVID floating around, and they're testing with different thresholds than the NFL. NFL, remember, modified their protocol saying if you're fully vaccinated and not showing any symptoms, we're going to test you less. Why? Because they want their games to be played, unlike UCLA pulling out hours before kickoff, leading to the fifth cancellation. And how about the shell game that happened with Central Michigan getting poached from the Arizona Bowl to go to the Sun Bowl to take on Washington State because Miami couldn't go? What happened in the process there? Central Michigan got $3 million more by qualifying for the Sun Bowl than they would have for the Arizona Bowl because the Sun Bowl is nationally televised and the Arizona Bowl is streaming. But what do all of these things have in common? Did you hear me mention the money? Well, Central Michigan just got paid. You know who's been getting paid more than ever? Marquee college football coaches. Mel Tucker getting reportedly $90 million. Brian Kelly deciding it's worth it to fake a southern accent so he can get a massive payday leaving Notre Dame for LSU. James Franklin using the threat of going to LSU or USC to get massive money to stay at Penn State. Lincoln Riley getting Hollywood dough to take his talents from Oklahoma to USC. So all of these schools are going to tell you, no, 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 the money is immaterial. It's not coming from the general fund. It's coming from boosters and donors. Okay. Well, if they can write those checks to the coaches, why can't they write those checks to the players who are responsible for the games and generate the revenue? Because all of these cancellations are pointing out the obvious. If you don't have players, you don't have games. But we can't pay the players. No. That would be an abomination somehow, right? All right. Let's use the rules. Name, image, and likeness says that you can now monetize all of those things. So, for example, pitch quarterback... Kenny Pickett making the decision, understandable, not to play in the Peach Bowl as he gets ready for the NFL. That's just code for he does not want to get hurt in a meaningless exhibition. Why couldn't Pickett and his people go to the guys in the loud blazers running the Peach Bowl or the television network and say, for $75,000 in name, image, and likeness compensation, I'm going to play this football game. Change is coming. And it's been decades overdue. But 
maybe one of the unexpected byproducts of everything that we've all been dealing with since last March is a little more clarity about life and the obvious hypocrisy. Who's gotten richer, incidentally, over the last 18 months? Not me, not you. Top 1%. Who's gotten richer in college sports? Not the players. Top 1%. Head coaches. So just follow the money. And nothing's going to change now or Friday with the national semifinals or Saturday with the traditional New Year's Day bowl games we care about. But soon, in the not-too-distant future, seismic change is coming in college football. It is long overdue. Had a great time filling in for Rich for the first time. Appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to tomorrow. Want to thank our guests. Hour number one, talk to NBA with Michael Lee of the Washington Post. Football conversation. Hour number two, Bob Blobber from New York Newsday. Just had a good NFL talk with Mike Jones of USA Today. Thanks to Rich, his great team, for extending the opportunity to sit in. Want to thank all the good people at Westwood One. My old friends reunited. Jack Silver and our technical producer, Art Martinez, doing an outstanding job. Appreciate them hosting me today. Thanks for listening, and thank you for your tweets. My name is Brian Weber, and we'll do it again tomorrow right here on The Rich Eisen Show.